why he moved to Nashville 17 years ago, how he found his niche in the music industry, the importance of having long-term goals and taking advice from people who have been there before, how his wife quit her job motivated the heck out of him, and the difference between a good opportunity and the right opportunity, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number two, one, three, with recording artist and songwriter, Sam Tinez. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm here because you wanna get closer to the best version of yourself, but there are so many things that you need to do to get there. And because it's overwhelmingly complicated, it's easy to lose focus, it's easy to lose a sense of direction, and that's why so many people end up falling short of their true potential. That's why I create videos, podcasts, and fitness programs to keep you on track to your best you. Go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. Today I'm fired up to bring you an episode with one of my favorite musicians, Sam Tenez. Sam is a recording artist and songwriter based out of Nashville, Tennessee. He's done everything from having songs in car commercials, movie trailers, TV shows, and sporting events, to writing pop songs featured on Kygo Records. One of my favorite songs of his is Legends Are Made, which has been played by Tude Perfect, by the PGA Tour, Fox and CBS Sports, and it's been played hundreds of times in my fitness classes. As you're listening, be sure to tag me and Sam on Instagram at carrier underscore best you and at Sam Tenez, which is S-A-M-T-I-N-N-E-S-Z to let us know you're listening. Monday mornings I know can be the bane of your existence. It can seem impossible to get motivated on a Monday morning, but not if you receive my Monday Motivation Trio 111 newsletter. Every Monday I send out one motivational quote, one inspiring video, and one badass workout to get your week started off with a bang so you can build some momentum. Just go to nickcarrier.com slash 111-newsletter to get this in your inbox every Monday morning. Again, it's nickcarrier.com slash 111-newsletter. Without further ado, here's to getting closer to your best you with the one and only Sam Tenez. This is how legends are made. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm super pumped up today to have the one and only Sam Tenez with me today. Uh, so I just want to start by saying, Sam, thanks so much for spending the time with me. Yeah, of course. So I'm super fired up. Uh, Sam is a recording artist and songwriter based here in Nashville, and he's done everything from having songs on car commercials, movie trailers, TV shows, sporting events, uh, to writing pop songs featured in Kygo Records. And uh, one of my personal favorite songs of his, Legends Are Made, has been played uh, by Dude Perfect, PGA Tour, Fox and CBS Sports, and in hundreds of my fitness classes. So uh, <laughs> I, I know I'm, I'm super fired up because that's the song that gets me fired up when I'm teaching fitness classes. And I know uh, a lot of you listeners out there who have taken my class before will probably recognize that song and, and know I get pumped up by it too. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but Sam, the way I want to start today is kind of giving myself and everybody a little bit more a background on you. We just talked about how you're from Atlanta, where I'm from as, from as well, but you've been in Nashville for about 17 years now, I understand. But when you first moved, there was essentially only country music and Christian music kind of going on in this town. And so yeah. kind of what I'm curious about was, did you move for music? And uh, yeah, I'll just kind of, I'll start with that. 
Yeah, you know, um, when I was in Atlanta, I had this kind of high school band that we were being getting offers from, um, you know, uh, I think it was Interscope at the time for like a development deal. But the other two guys in the band, one of them, they both wanted to go to college. And so they were kind of like, dude, like, I don't want to do this. You know, this was fun for high school, but this is not what I wanted to do. And I realized in that moment how alone I was in my aspiration to kind of get to that next place. And um, I tried to kind of go by myself and do some recording with the, the, the people who were trying to sign me and it just didn't feel right. And so um, we started looking at colleges. I got accepted to um, UGA, but I also got accepted to Belmont. And so when I went and visited Belmont, there was just this feeling in Nashville, like I was telling my mom this earlier this week. I was just like, when we were there and we were on this music row, it was like this tangible place where I knew music was made. And that was something different than Atlanta. It's like in Atlanta I, and even Georgia in general, I could feel that music was being made somewhere, but it was really intangible. You know, mm -hmm. with Nashville, there was a place and there was like, I could just walk down the street. It felt like I could just walk down the street and maybe find somebody who would listen to my music and carry it to the next place. So I decided to come to Nashville and go to Belmont University um, while I was also pursuing my music career. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I've never heard anybody kind of say it like that. But yeah, I think having that clarity that like, look, it's literally, I live right by yeah. Music Row. It's literally yeah. made just right over there. I could be yeah. I could be in one of those buildings doing it. I think that would definitely give you kind of the spark to, to want to move to that city. So yeah. you know, you're not in country or Christian music right now. So did you, yeah. when did you find kind of that area or that niche of the style of music that you wanted to be a part of? You know, it took a while. I mean, I was signed with Curb Records in town with a contemporary Christian band for a while. And that was cool. You know, I enjoyed like making the records and learning the process of being with the record label and what that was like and touring in a van and trailer for years and years and years and years. But there was always something in the back of my mind that was like, this is not quite what you're supposed to be doing as far as like, this is not your peak of musical output. And I just felt like there was more. And so I was like, well, maybe that more is writing for other artists. So then I started writing for other artists in that realm, like Newsboys and Mandisa and all these, all these folks that are amazing. And I still didn't feel quite satisfied with that. And um, I ran into this, uh, I ran into this, um, girl named Maggie and she asked, actually asked me to write and we got together and we um, we got together with my friend Matt Bronley and we wrote uh, what was what what is now kind of this stuff called Ruel and that was the beginnings of hearing something different in Nashville that wasn't folk wasn't Christian but still had a place to live and that kind of inspired me to kind of do my own stuff in a similar um, vein at first and then I kind of found my own voice and it was just kind of off to the races at that point. Yeah was it hard to feel like you were building traction with doing your own thing that other people because there was probably other people in the music industry that you were playing your stuff for or that you yeah were showing your writings too and they were probably like we haven't heard anything like this before and some people when confronted with something very different they're not very accepting of it so what was that like yeah it was interesting I mean you know here I was like I consider myself kind of like a pop writer but an alternative artist and I was showing I mean I met with everybody I met with Disney I met with um you know Razor and Ty at the time I met with uh, Olay. I met with all sorts of folks and all the response was like, man, these are great songs. I, I really like this stuff, but like, not sure I know what to do with it. And you don't have any cuts. So we can't really do anything for you. And it was really until 
I started finding my own traction with Maggie and her Ruel stuff um, that I really was able to uh, dive into other realms and started to get some pop cuts and started to have my music kind of do its thing in TV and film. And there, honestly, I always say it, it takes like one person to get behind you. It takes that one champion. And for me, those, you know, that one champion, I guess, I guess there's three, but <laughs> in the beginning, you need one. And that one champion in the beginning was a guy named Matt Bronlewy. And he was always a fan of my stuff. Um, and he had produced my old band's records. And on the side, he'd be like, man, you have a great voice. Have you ever thought about, you know, singing yourself? And I was like, no, no, I'm just a guitar player. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a singer, you know, and I'm, or like, I mean, I'm stuck in, I'm not stuck, but I'm in this situation. Like this doesn't make sense for me to sing. And so it took years for a moment for him to step in and be like, dude, we need to do this. This is this stuff that you're doing right now is awesome. And then, um, and then, you know, I met, I met uh, Wendy Duffy who does my licensing and pitches stuff to TV and film. And she was the next real like industry champion. Like I would say Matt was my producer champion. Wendy was my industry champion who was like, you have a great voice. You can do this. You know, you have something to offer. I, I hear the potential and where you're going. And to get that confidence from her was, was really essential. And then after that, it was Dave Steinenbrink, you know, who, who signed me to management. And, you know, with the, that trifecta, producer, licensing company, and management, it was just off to the races. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's cool to hear that. Uh, Dave was such a pivotal role because that's how uh, we got introduced because he was in one of my classes and he was like, oh, like I played Legends Are Made. And he was like, he came up to me after after class and, and told me that uh, that, he's, that he's your manager or whatever. Yeah. So that's yeah. Really cool. Do you feel like that it was really the the trigger from the other people who had the confidence in you that it was that you did have a good enough voice that really propelled you or was there anything else that kind of sparked it in you that's like okay I need to actually go after and start singing yeah I mean I think I like I always you know when I was younger in high school I had that like confidence of youth in the sense that like I I knew I could do it I I you know like nothing could tell me no and then life starts to beat you down you know what I mean you get a lot of closed doors a lot of missed opportunities and you start to think maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was, you know? And you start to kind of fall back into other roles that might be lesser than what your skill set is, you know? I was just falling back into like, well, I'm just a guitar player or I'm just a background guy, you know? I'm just a guy behind the scenes. Like, I'm not, I'm not a guy in the front of the scenes. And I would tell myself these things really to kind of feel better about what was happening and until, until, I, really, um, until I really started to hear the voice and the music that I always had dreamed of becoming a reality. You know, I just, I was just trying different things and I finally let myself kind of sing on things because nobody else was there to sing on them. And so I was just like, well, yeah, I'll sing on them if they're going to get pitched to TV and film. And then people started latching onto the songs, latching onto the voice. And I was like, Oh, okay. I, there's fans of this. Like people like this, like maybe I can sing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think that, I think that's cool the way that you've phrased that because I've never, necessarily heard it said the way that you said it. I had the confidence of youth, but then you kind of grow up and you you get kind of the external world thrown at you and you realize maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. And I think that when you have that thought in your head that that's a really big turning point. That's kind of a fork in the road. It's like, okay, what are you going to let that feedback tell you? Are you going to be like, okay, I'm not as good as I thought I was, so I should do something different and I should quit or I should 
whatever, or are you going to let it fuel you like, okay, maybe I'm not as good as I thought, but there's still room for improvement and and I can still kind of keep going down this path. And I feel like that's kind of what you did. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, you know, I always tell people because I, I don't want to lead anybody astray. It's like, I, I always say you need to be as self-aware as possible, but if there's something inside of you that you feel like on a spiritual level, on a deeper, deeper level that, that hasn't come out yet, that you know is there, maybe like you're the only one who knows that it's there. Even your spouse, even your family are kind of like, I don't know, like you, like you, I don't think you have that in you, but you feel like you have it in you. You've got to keep pushing until you get it out. And if you get something out that feels like it's that you that you've always wanted to, to, to get out into the world, and then people are giving you feedback on it that's negative, then maybe you should listen. But but until you get that true you, that strongest you out, I think that like, you just got to keep pushing, you know? Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So I'm interested to see or, to hear if this was kind of a big, a relatively big part of the story. I heard in a, in a past interview that you gave that, well, in general, you've been married for about 12 years now or so? Yeah. Okay, yeah. awesome. So, and then I learned that early on, uh, your wife had quit her teaching job and it was kind of like on you to kind of step up to the game financially and being able to provide for yeah. your family. And that was kind of a, kind of a big thing. So I kind of want you to, to speak to how important that was to kind of lighting a fire under your ass, if you will, to, okay, yeah. it's my turn. We got to get going. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I, you know, I think I've always just like a lot of people, I had this just deep desire to provide for my family. And I think, you know, some of that stems from the fact of like, you know, my, and my family dynamic, some people weren't always the best at providing. And, you know, my mom was amazing at it. And while she was killing it and, and really like making big strides and providing for us, you know, my stepfather was not. And, um, and that was really like hard to watch, but also motivating for me as a man in the future to go like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to make my spouse kill themselves to, you know, to, to, fuel what I'm trying to chase after because he was always chasing these get rich quick schemes. And while that is enticing, while that is something that sometimes works out, you know, 99 times out of 100, it doesn't. And I think that like, for me, I never wanted music to become that, you know, I never wanted to sacrifice my family and my role in my family on the altar of music, you know, so like I, when I started to get to that point where my wife felt trapped in her job, and you know because she couldn't quit like she couldn't quit her job to because we needed that income we needed that that health care we needed all those things while i was pursuing my dream and so when my first when i first left my band um to do my own thing do my own writer thing i was like well maybe i'll just start another band and she looked at me and she was like no like honey you need to make money like you can't you can't start another band and that was hard to hear but she was right. I needed to make money. I needed to have that monthly nut that covered some costs with her, that that kind of co-labored with her and wasn't just like me up here way in the clouds being a dreamer and her way down, you know, trying to rough it out, you know, get, making all the money. And honestly, it was so awesome to, I found a publishing deal. They paid me, you know, it was such a little amount, but it was enough to cover a good bit of our monthly nut, our mortgage and a few other things. And that was enough for her to come to part-time. And then slowly but surely, she went full-on you know, stay-at-home mom because that's what she had always wanted to do. And once she was at that point, it was a lot of pressure and some bills were piling up. And it got to a point where it was like, 
okay, I'm providing for this monthly nut and some of these things, but then there's stuff above the monthly nut that like, oh my gosh, like we're starting to get into debt. Like, oh my gosh, our credit card has a thing on it. And I'm like, oh no, how do I make this work? And my wife is like, I never should have quit. I should go back. You know, I, I need to take, get back my job. I bet if I called them right now, I could get my job. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Give me a chance. Let me do this. And honestly, I just put my head down and worked twice as hard. I mean, I was, I was writing for this publishing deal while pursuing this TV film thing and this artist thing on the side of that because it was separate from that. And just really, honestly, for a while, working two jobs until the job that was paying me wasn't just the job that I didn't necessarily want to do every day. And it, and it flipped. And now I'm full on. I have no publishing deal. I own all of my own publishing and master and I have a, a job that I love and she's not working and we, we aren't in that. We finally got ahead of our finances. And when you can finally get to that point, it's, um, it feels like, like you won already, whether you get famous or you have a hit on the radio or whatever. It's like, when you get ahead of your finances, you can provide for your family. That feels like a trophy, you know, there's that huge burden off your shoulders. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but I think I, I'm going to kind of start off. So I want to, I want to, stress the importance of being patient in order to kind of be successful because I think so many people especially this day and age aren't patient in the route to getting to that next level of success and that next level of success and to kind of um, relate it to your experience you know you talked about how your stepfather was a lot of times chasing get rich quick schemes Um, but then you also talked about how you know your wife quit your quit her job and you're in this spot where it's like we need to have some money we need to make some money so how can you fight the urge to like maybe go for a kick quick get quick rich i don't even know if i said <laughs> rich quick, quickly um versus like just stay stay the course be patient so how do you kind of like fight those two feelings in your head or thoughts in your head yeah i think for me i always try to say is this move for the short game or is this move for the long game? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I had so many people in my life say it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I would get so annoyed with that phrase. I'm just like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I'm like, I know, but like, I'm so sick of running this dang marathon. Like, when do I get to the end and get the trophy and get the ribbon? And like, woo, we did it, you know? And I think there's a lot of times along the way, honestly, I was even just thinking about it recently where, Um, you know, I called my buddy Matt and I was going, Matt, they're offering me a publishing deal and it's for this much, you know, and it was like, it was for everything, you know, it was, it was all, it was, it was really everything I'd wanted to have happen as far as monetarily. And I remember him giving me the the advice, just saying, Sam, if you don't need the publishing deal, don't take it. Cause, cause later on you can sell your catalog, you can do things where, um, it's, it's a greater income and you have more flexibility. And I just got so mad because I was like, well, that's easy for him to say. Like, he's in such a great position and he's doing so well. And like, he's killing it. And like, I'm, I'm just scrounging it out. And every day I'm bill by bill and check by check. And I hate this life like this. You know, I hate the uncertainty of it. But honestly, I took his advice because I knew that he was wiser than me. He had lived a lot more life and been in the industry for longer. So really, I took the counsel of people wiser older and who had been in the industry longer than me and I really beyond my own feelings I had to fight my own feelings versus what people who were wiser were saying and I I just I said you know what I trust Matt I trust Dave I trust people like Wendy I trust these folks who are saying 
the publishing deal or this thing, this other, you know, in the moment that can make that can make all the um, uncomfortable things go away, all the struggle go away, you know, but it's not the best move for me. Like in the long term, what are, what are my goals? I want to sell catalog. I want to own my own things. I want to, you know, I want to make enough money to um, not just provide, but above and beyond create legacy wealth. And those things don't happen when you don't own your own stuff. So I think, um, you know, I think taking counsel of wiser people, I think looking at like, is this a short play where I'm going to feel better in the short run? Or is this a long play that gets me to the goals that I want to have in my future? Um, and maybe a little bit of suffering, a little bit of struggle is what you need to go through to get there. Um, so I think, you know, I think definitely I had, I had like an example of what didn't work, the get rich quick, the, oh my gosh, like I could get a, I could get a $20,000 check for this da -da -da thing. But yeah, but I lose all rights to everything. And this is not my long term goal. This doesn't match my goals. Like, I'm going to be miserable, you know, and it's like, okay, miserable is not money is, is great, but it's not everything like you can be absolutely there's so many people who are absolutely miserable in their jobs or in their life that are making crazy money. And in the end, they'll tell you it's not worth it. You know, it's not worth it. So I had to keep I had to keep on that long goal. And you know, I think, I don't know if, I didn't really write anything out, but I knew in my head, okay, I want this, I want this, I want this. Do any of these, does that match up with what I want? No. Okay, keep going, you yeah. know? No, that, that's awesome stuff. And I like how you kind of broke down a couple of those things. Like, does this line up with my long-term goals and being able to take the, the counsel or the advice from other people? And yeah. kind of the, to touch on that first one a little bit, that's really resonates with me because when I talk about getting closer to the best version of yourself, I always talk about it's really important to define some sort of like long-term vision because yeah. when you have some sort of long-term vision, it can orient your decision-making because you had yeah. this idea of like, okay, here's what I want. And then you have a decision point of should I choose A or should I choose B? But it's like, okay, this is what I want. So B is not, B is not what I want to do. A is what I want. Yeah. And so having, if you don't have that vision though, it's hard to make the proper decision. And then I think taking advice is, it's obviously so important, but being able to have the, the people around you who you can trust because you've seen that they've done the similar things before and oh, yeah. it's just so important. Yeah, I, I like something else I was thinking about is like there are good opportunities and then there are the right opportunities. And mm -hmm. I think those two things sometimes are the same thing, but a lot of times they're very different. It's like if I took every single opportunity that came my way, not only would I be stressed to the max, but I also wouldn't be headed the right direction, you know? And it's like, you really have to have that, you know, 10,000 feet up view of your life and go, where am I headed? Because there's so many things, there's so many great opportunities. Maybe I'm an optimist in that way, but it's like, I feel like there's so much good to be had. Um, and you just have to, but you have to choose the, the right opportunity. So that's kind of my, been my mantra of like, is this right? I don't think this is right. You know, oh, I hate this because I love this person or I love this thing and it's exciting, but I can't do it. You know? Yeah. No, I, I love that distinction between good opportunities versus right opportunities. That's awesome. Um, so I'm going to kind of get into a little bit more of a, a practical sense in terms of how you feel like you've improved as a, a songwriter and an artist. What are the things, what do you feel like or maybe the most significant things or most instrumental things that you've done on a practical level that have gotten you to be a better songwriter or be a better artist? Yeah, I mean, I, I think nobody's gonna like this answer because it's not a shortcut answer, 
but it's it's really just doing it every day it's the repetition it, like there are no shortcuts like everybody wants the shortcut and i maybe that's the theme for this but there is no shortcut like it it just took years and years and years and i i really only in the last you know i've been writing songwriting since i was in eighth grade or something and i feel like only in the last few years have i really liked the songs that i've created and you know it just takes a lot of time and being around surrounding yourself with really talented people you know and and knowing like okay this person is better than me at this i can learn from them and being teachable is just you know i just always allow myself to be teachable from the, the people around me i don't try to look at myself as better than everyone and i think i think when you have you know you want to be confident and you want to feel like you're good at something and yes you do you do walk into a room and you feel like okay i can do this and i i do have a specialty but if someone does something better, acknowledge it and take it in. And so I think for me, learning from others and really just doing it every day, you know, I can tell when I get in a room with somebody who's who's songwriting all the time and when somebody who's not, because it's like when, when I get in the room with someone who's been songwriting all the time, it's like ideas, ideas, ideas. Maybe they're not the best ideas, but there's a flow of ideas. They have um, not a formula, but just kind of a method. And I can feel the method. I can feel the rhythm of how they work. And it's great because it's, it's not, um, it doesn't stifle a moment of creativity. And so I think, you know, just doing it all the freaking time, people are just, you know, they hit me up on, on Instagram or whatever. And they're like, I want to get in the music industry. How do I do this? And I'm like, look around you at your peers, find the most talented people in your room and then rise with them. Like reaching up to, to someone, like if I went and started reaching up to Max Martin or Ryan Tedder, it's like, they're busy, dude. Like they're not gonna, they're, you know, they don't have time for me to ask them a million questions or to reach down and pick me up out of, out of where I'm at. Like I need to find those people like right where I'm at and rise with them. And, that, and that's what's happened with, you know, some of my friends like Maggie and, you know, Ruel and with Tommy Prophet and, you know, my buddy Dustin who does Zade Wolf stuff and a few others. I mean, we just kind of have, we started together and we rose together and now everybody's doing great. And it's so cool to see um, uh, just a, a bunch of my peers um, who have worked really hard to get where they are, just find their moments, you know? Yeah. No, I love that. I, hear, I feel like I hear that a lot of a lot of times from different artists about how people started in the same spot and then they just stuck with it to each other. And now they're now they're uh, they're all elevated at the same time. Um, yeah. You know, you talked about how it's all about repetition, writing over and over again, and being as many rooms in as you can, and the kind of the the mix of the good opportunity versus right opportunity. Was there ever a decision that you made or a right opportunity that you? were a part of that you feel like was maybe the most important decision or most important opportunity that you didn't really realize it was going to be that important when you did it? Yeah. Um, gosh, you know, I probably would say, um, it's kind of crazy, you know, like I would say there's a couple and it really kind of centers around a couple of those people I mentioned in the beginning. It's like when, when Maggie reached out, and said, "Hey Sam, I want to write. I want to write top forty with you." And I went and I looked up her stuff, and she was killing it in TV film. And I said, "Who is the best? Who is the best? You know, producer I know." And trying to take the best of of what I have, and then coming to him and going, "Hey, I've got this girl who wants to write, and she does amazing TV film stuff." And he wasn't he wasn't even really in that realm at the time. And I was like, "But you're an amazing producer, and I think we could do something great together." And just seeing the, the greatness in other people and putting those together, that moment 
was a moment for me that opened so many doors. And I think it was a combination of seeing an opportunity for what it was and trying to make the most of it. And I think, um, you know, there's lots of opportunities like that that come your way. And I could have just had her reach out and say, hey, I want to write and not look her up and not see what she's been doing and and just write some pop song. And honestly, my life probably would have been different in a weird way, you know, but I did preparation. I said, what is she doing? What is she successful at? Okay, great. Like, she's at this level. Like, I need to get somebody at this level to bring in with us and and make an amazing track in this moment and not just have a song, but have a finished product. And he brought that. And at the end of the day, like that, we started having a tear of just song after song after song was placing and placing and getting crazy streams and viralness. And, um, you know, it was just, you know, it was just from seeing the opportunity for what it was um, and just making the most of it. So that's kind of, that, yeah. that moment is definitely a big moment. There's others, but I think, that one for me was the moment when I stopped doing the thing that I didn't love as much and started doing the thing I feel like I was meant for. Yeah, no, I think that's a, I think the big lesson in that is that you never necessarily know what the right opportunity is going to be until a little bit later on. So you have to be able to like bring, to be cliche, the best version of yourself into every single opportunity because yeah. I mean, you had that preparation leading into it because if you hadn't, then it probably wasn't going to be the right opportunity. It might not have led to, to different things down the road. And so yeah. I think, like I said, the biggest message is like, whenever you're going into what you think could be a potential opportunity, make sure that you're going into it as the most prepared version of yourself and what, and whatever the best version of yourself means for that opportunity. Oh yeah, definitely. I agree. Cause I think that if you, you know, if you know that something's a big opportunity or, or even like, you know, there's, it's like you said, it's hard to know when something is going to be a life-changing moment. So really, I mean, this is, this is cliche too, but treating every day and every opportunity, like it could be the moment that changes everything. And that's what I love about music is one day somebody's a nobody, the next day he's on top of the charts and, and, or she's on top of the charts killing it. And it's like, I think, you know, they, they had no idea that that moment in that song room, that that room, songwriting room, that they're, they're going to write the big hit or whatever, but they came prepared. Maybe they came with an idea. They came with an openness, a vulnerability about themselves or a thought, or they came with something. I guarantee they didn't just show up. Someone came with something, you know what I mean? Even if it wasn't them, they made the right decision to pick the right person in the room who would bring, bring the, the special sauce to make it happen. So yeah, I, I think you're right. It's just like, bringing the best you every day that you can is really important. I mean, you could really miss out on a life-changing moment if you don't. And it's a lot of pressure, but at the same time, you know, I always think about things like, um, like Olymp Olympic athletes, like they don't just wake up and do the thing they do. Like every day they're, they're training every day. They're doing something to get to that point where they're the best. Um, and so I try to, I try to treat songwriting and music that way. Like I definitely have my human days. Like even yesterday, I was just sitting on the couch going, Oh, what's the point? Like, what am I doing? You know, it's like this whole, this whole landscape of everything is just crazy and it can get to your head. And I think it's okay to have those feelings and to be human, you know, but then you get up, you brush it off, you move forward, you know? And so, um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. No, I completely agree. Well, to change, to change tunes a little bit, um, yeah. we, I could, I could tell that you're 
super passionate about being a father and it has probably changed you a lot. And we talked yeah. about before, you've got a seven-year-old, a three-year-old and a seven-month-year-old and you're being able to spend a lot more time with them now, which is super cool. So what do you think is one of maybe the, the biggest things that you've learned about yourself since becoming a father? I mean, it's, it's similar to what I learned when I got married, but you know, it's just this like selfishness thing. You know, it's this thing about like, wow, I think about myself a lot or like, wow, I'm looking out for myself. Like the more I had kids in my life, the more I was giving of myself. And really like, I feel like I've become more um, compassionate for other people in their situations. I feel like I've become more caring and more like when I'm in the room with someone like, hey, do you need something? Like, I'm going to get up and get this thing. Do you need something also? You know, like, yeah. you're, like, like you're like, where, where the hell did that just come from? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm like, what? I was just getting up to get myself a drink. Like, why am I thinking about them? Like, but I think that's, you know, it's good. It really, I really think that like having kids has broken down a lot of my, um, a lot of my too, like my childish kind of like uh, putting music on this crazy pedestal where everything is sacrificed for. I think the kids, you know, I get home and I'm like, you know what? I may have had a, a crappy day writing. I may have sucked it up on this deal or, you know, whatever, sent a really angry email that I shouldn't have sent or whatever, but I'm home. The, this is what's more important than all that. And I can just put all that down and it gives me something else to live for. It gives me something kind of better um, to kind of strive for. And it, and it kind of helps me want to be a better person in my, in my business life and in my everyday, just, just, um, the best version of myself. Uh, you know, I think the ki kids bring that out. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Super cool. Super cool. Um, well, so I know that I think you've got some new music coming out next week, if I saw correctly, uh, this is probably going to be, this will be released probably more in about a month. So it'll be already released once, uh, <laughs> once people hear this, but what should, what should people yeah. expect and where, where, where should they go find all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, um, so I was lucky enough to uh, do a deal with Warner and they're putting out my record. Um, it's called white doves and Warplanes, And it's kind of um, a two-sided record that I put out in EPs first. Um, but that when we put it together, uh, I'm adding a few more songs, a few more versions. And so I've got some really fun kind of tricks up my sleeves, um, some kind of broken down versions with uh, an orchestra, some versions that are like remix type stuff. Um, and then uh, and then some versions that people have been asking for, um, one being uh, an acoustic play with fire version, because people love that song. And I did kind of a one take uh, YouTube video where I just played it down and people are like, where can I buy this? And I'm like, well, you can't really buy it yet. So I'm going to put that on there and get that on. So that'll be fun to have. And uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll get some cool video uh, content as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm super stoked about the full record being out. It's been a long journey to get to this point. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm pumped to, pumped to hear it. Um, well, the second to last question, Sam, is we kind of mentioned it. I mentioned it a little bit earlier is I think that it's really important in order to get closer to the best version of yourself to try to visualize what that person looks like and what that person is capable of. And then yeah. my goal every single day is to try to reverse engineer that person into reality. And yeah. so a question for you is, is there a particular skill, piece of knowledge or experience that the best version of yourself has that you don't currently have? Yeah, gosh. I mean, I think... Um... I think one thing I'm really trying to find is peace in the middle of a storm, you know, like, like when everything's falling apart in my, in a business moment or in a music moment, 
I can kind of lose my cool and really rely on others and my team to kind of talk me down off the ledge. But I don't want to be that way. I, I want to be the guy where things are falling apart. I step back. I take a second of reflection. I find the peace in the moment, even though this is like, because really it can, especially in music or when you're doing something that you're passionate about and you love, when something's going wrong, it's not just something going wrong. It's your dreams falling apart, you know? <laughs> and and it, bring, it brings you to this, like, this rage place. It brings you to this emotional place. And I would love to be able to step back, find some clarity in a moment and go, okay, this is falling apart, but here's how we can fix it. Here's how, here's how the next step, maybe we can, we can do better. Or, or even, you know what, that failed. It's okay. This is not the end of my dream. It's not the end of everything. It's just this one attempt of, of, of trying falling on my face. So I don't have that yet, but I'm really, I'm really hoping as I get older, as I have more experience, I can find peace even in the most chaotic, crazy moments where people look at me and go, how are you chill right now? And I can just be like, you know what? I've learned a long time ago that peace is a better option, <laughs> you know? So that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think any any time a, a, a self change like that, it always starts with self awareness and the yeah. true actually wanting of that particular skill. And so yeah, that's, that's awesome. A piece in the middle of the storm. That's great. That's great. Well, before I ask the last question, Sam, I want to acknowledge you. One, because I know that you've been able to be so patient throughout your journey. And I know that you'll probably continue to be more and more patient as you continue to elevate and continue to continue to rise because I know that's such a tough thing for so many people to do. And that's something that I've improved on a little bit but I'm continuing to try to improve upon as well. And I think it's really cool that you've been able to realize how much more of a compassionate person that you've become since having kids. And uh, yeah, I think it's really unique. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the journey, you know, and I think I think for me, it's just like I've been so obsessed with the destination that I that I kind of that I kind of uh, push aside the journey. But the journey is everything. It's it's life. There's a lot that happens between what you want to get and and where you're at, and that's okay. That's the fun part, and I'm trying to see it as that. You know? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. That's that's kind of what I I like to look at a. Uh the best version of yourself on like a graph and like the yeah. current version of myself is here. Yeah. The best version of myself is here. How can I close that gap and get excited about how to do it? Yes. Um, that's, that's it. That's yeah. the move. Yeah. Well, I know everyone's going to want to make sure they go learn more and, and find you if they, they're not following you already. So make sure to go to samtenez.com and the last yeah. name is T I N N E S Z.com. And then he's Sam Denez. Uh, Sam Tenez on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Apple Music, Spotify, and YouTube. So everywhere you can find them. Um, but the last question, Sam, is I think getting closer to the best version of yourself is a constant journey. And yeah. I think it's also a unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. And so for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do or three things that you can currently work on to get closer to that best version of Sam Tenez that you could be, what are those three things that you could do or work on? Oh, gosh. Um, I would think, you know, deepening my spiritual life, I think, would be important. I think getting more physically fit so that I can have clarity of mind and, and body is a second. And I think my last one is um, thinking of others before myself. You know, I, I think it's so natural for us to think of ourselves, but 
if we can think of other people um, before we think of ourselves, it fixes a lot of the problems that we all face, a lot of the opinions that we have that are wrong. So much of what we do and think that's wrong is from this self-focus. So I think those are the three things I'm trying to do to get to my best self. <laughs> yeah, dude, I love it. Three great things. Well, I appreciate it, Sam. That's all we got. Yes, thank you. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this super special episode with Sam. This episode is jam-packed with lessons from Sam's experiences that we all need to take away and take action on. Make sure you share this episode with a friend or family member who you think would get something from it and be inspired by it. And make sure you share it with someone that loves Sam's music. If you liked the show, be sure to leave it a rating and a review on iTunes and let me know what you thought. I also post a video episode every single week along with the show notes, and you can find that at nickcarrier.com slash podcast. Remember to have patience with the process towards more and more success. It's easy to be impatient, I know. It's easy to simply wish you were further along in your career, to wish you had more money, to wish you were more fit, to wish you had a better relationship. But remember, the magic is in the journey. The magic is in those small moments every single day when you're still willing to show up as your best self, even when you're not feeling like it. Remember to distinguish between a good opportunity and the right opportunity. And the way to do that is to start by having a vision, by having a long-term goal so you have a frame of reference when you're making those decisions. But for now, it's time. It's time to take action. Be patient with the process. Show up as your best self in each and every opportunity and be compassionate towards others because those are the things that will get you closer and closer to your best you.